Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we've been enjoying some uh, interesting music on the show here, but and, and now we are going to talk to uh, Bob Feldman, the saxophone player from New York, uh, whose uh, latest album, his second album, Triplicity, we've been enjoying for some time now. Uh, for some, we've listened to a few pieces from the album in the past few weeks, and here's Bob Feldman himself, Bob. Hi, Turan. How you doing, Bob? Uh, great. Great. It's a beautiful morning here in New York. Right. Okay, great. And, uh, yeah, we've been enjoying, the, the audience have been enjoying uh, a Triplicity, and it's only your second album. That's correct. Yeah. What was the first album, Bob? The first album I made, I, I believe it was in 1999 was um, a blues for a ragged lion which I did here in New York City and that was on that recording I played with um, the um, uh, reed player Michael Marcus and uh, the percussionist Warren Smith and the bassist was um, Kengo Nakamura right Okay, so it was was it a, a basically a jazz album? Oh yeah, totally. totally. I'll send you a copy. Okay, great. And 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 now here's uh, Triplicity. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, let's uh, let me ask you the most uh, essential or the least essential of questions that I ask all every musician that I interview here. Mm -hmm. What what is your music? What kind of music do you play? Uh well. Uh, I guess I would just call it um, contemporary jazz, and um, uh, that was um, inspired by um, many um, many important um, musicians that uh, that influenced me. That I that I I got I first started to listen to jazz in the uh, late fifties or early. 60s and um, certain people, well, Miles Davis and John Coltrane and uh, later uh, Ornette Coleman, well, uh, really quite a few people um, influenced me. And um, when I was uh, when I was a kid, when I was about 15 years old, I had played the clarinet uh, for a while, and um, I, I I had a wonderful teacher, and I and I. I like the clarinet, but I was still pretty young when you're when you're a teenager you don't sometimes you're not exactly sure what you want to do. I went in many different directions but then later on, when I was in my twenties, uh, which was actually it was kind of like a little late to start i just somehow I was drawn to the saxophone and i st and I picked it up and I started playing and 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 studying. All right, so you've been playing music a long time. Long time, over 40 years. All right. So why haven't you been recording uh, more? I, this is such <laughs> a beautiful album, Triplicity. I was just thinking, what would, I mean, what did the output that you would you would produce in all those years would be just 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 wonderful on record? Yeah. Well, that <laughs> that's a good point. I don't even know if I can answer that question. I think that. Um, 
Gee, I think it was a combination of factors. I think maybe I felt like I, w- like I wasn't ready. I certainly was playing all the time. Um, I think I was, um, I don't know, maybe I was, maybe I was a rather harsh um, critic of my own playing. I always felt like um, there was so much more that I, that I had to achieve. And, um, you know, I guess it just, took me a long time. I mean, I, I was on a couple of recordings, uh, but they weren't my recordings. They were, I was on, you know, some rock recordings and uh, playing backgrounds mostly, and I, may, and I was on some recordings for singers. Uh, but uh, as far as doing something on my own, just took me a long time. I just, I guess I just felt... Um, I wasn't really ready. Maybe it was a matter of self-confidence. Could be. That's, I'm, I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. Okay. All right. So, triplicity. Why do you call it triplicity? Well, that's interesting. Triplicity, when I made this record, I was, I was looking around for titles, and, um, and, the, and, and I kept um, thinking of the idea that there were three of us. Um, and so um, I kept thinking of, of titles that would use the word three, and then I started to look in the, um, this uh, book, um, Roger's Thesaurus. Uh, I, I guess I was looking under threes or something like that, and I found this word triplicity, and it, and it, it said that it, it, actually, it was it was a term that came from astrology. Now, I'm not I don't really know that much about astrology, but I think it it was it was trying to describe uh, some phenomenon where where three um, planets or stars, three stars come together and exert a kind of influence. So it was. It was something like three uh, forces acting as one, and so I thought, oh well, that's a that's a that's a good uh, title for the record, and and I really felt that um, I really felt that that would characterize the uh, recording because I I really uh, throughout the time I made that record, I really I didn't want it to be myself in front of a, a, a rhythm section. I, want, I, I really wanted to have equal uh, emphasis on the three voices. Right. Okay. And so, yeah, uh, frankly, I thought triplicity was a word that you made up. I didn't even know no. that it existed. <laughs> no, I didn't make it up. <laughs> right. It's a good word, though. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And all the compositions on the, on, on the record are yours. Not totally. Um, yeah, uh, let me. Gee, I have to. Let me look at the record while we're talking. <laughs> I can't. Um, yes, a, a lot of them were, but 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 just as many were were here. I can tell you. Okay, uh, the first the first tune, which is called Triplicity. Yes. That was a sound check. Okay. Uh, 
Okay. Yeah, we just got, we just came, walked into the studio and and Patrick the engineer turned on the mics and he said, "Well, play something. You know, let's just see if we get the levels." And that's how that came about. That was really just a sound check. We just started playing. Wow, that's so interesting. That's a beautiful piece, really. Well, thanks. It, it uh, just thank ha- it just happened. Well, it just happened, but that's exactly the, uh, um, that exactly um, would give you an idea of what these two guys were uh, playing with. These two guys was like that, Ken. Filiano and Walter Perkins, there was just this kind of like instant um, uh, electricity between the three of us. I, we had all played together with one another, but but never at the same time. I I had played uh, I had played um, quite a few gigs with Walter in, in other situations, and I had played with with Ken once or twice and uh, hello yes okay and when i thought of when i thought of um, when i decided i wanted to um make this recording those were the guys i picked but when the three of us uh walked into the studio that day we had never played together in that combination and like i say triplicity the engineer just turned on the mics and he said, "Well, play something. Let me get a level." And that's how that came about. And and yeah, I have to say that even when I listen to it myself, I think, "Gee whiz, wow, that really came out pretty good." Wow. So yeah, that, I can't say that I composed that piece. We all put, composed yes. that piece. The second piece is a duo with Walter and myself. And that uh, that was the same thing. That was just we were just improvising right there. Uh, I, I remember I just, just I just uh, turned down the lights in the studio and I looked at Walter and I just said, "You start." And that's how that came about. Now, the the third piece, uh, which is where I played the bamboo uh, flute, that I composed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, okay. The fourth piece, which is called Further Notice, I composed that. All right. Um, the, um, uh, so there's, a, there's, 11, there's 11 tunes on there. Yeah. I'll tell you how many I composed. Uh, uh, one, two, three, four, uh, five. Five out of 11 tunes. Okay. Everything else was improvised that day in the studio. Right, and the last and the rest was improvised. Totally. Okay, and here uh, on the uh, on the record it says uh, the number eleven. Tell me about it. Is yeah. composed by Perkins. What does that mean? Was that? Uh, that was almost that was almost like uh, uh, that was almost like in the case of the um, sound check, uh-huh. because I remember I remember it was almost at the end of the session. And and um, and and you know um, Walter, uh, he was a bit older than than me, and he he was a real gentleman. Uh, he was a wonderful man. Um, his his nickname, among um, other other musicians that he came up with in Chicago, they all used to say, "Oh yeah, Walter, baby sweets." That's what they used to call him. 
because that's the kind of guy he was. And and I remember we were it was you know kind of a break between tunes. And he said to me, he said, you know, sometimes when I play, I like to make a little noise. Is that okay? <laughs> I said, yeah, sure. To, you know, do whatever you want to do. Yeah. He said, yeah. Or sometimes, sometimes I I I I, I, I want to sing. So I said, hey, if you want to sing, go ahead. And that's how that came about. I remember. Right, and so that that means that piece is improvised also. Oh, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. I just because he was, he was the one that started. I just, you know, said composed by Walter Perkins. All right, great. So, all right, let's listen to a piece from the album. I, 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 I was planning to play Invisible Dance, but then I thought maybe I should play Triplicity, uh, because you just told us that it was uh, how how it happened. But anyway, I'm going to play Invisible Dance. Because I've okay. already played Triplicity on the... Okay, sure. Okay, sure. Invisible Dance, and then okay. we'll be back. Let's listen to Invisible Dance uh, on the album Triplicity by Bob Feldman, with Bob Feldman on tenor saxophone, Ken Faliano on bass, and Walter Perkins on drums on this one. All right, Invisible Dance.
Okay, that was Invisible Dance on Triplicity by Bob Feldman, Ken Valiano, and Walter Perkins. And that that's a duo, Bob. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Invisible Dance. And uh, tell tell us a bit more about the the album, how how it came about, how you finally decided to make the album and how you why you chose the two musicians Ken Taliano and Walter Perkins okay well originally I conceived it I was going to um, uh, use another um, uh, horn with with myself and um, that didn't quite work out and um, I, uh, I I just decided okay well I'll I'll just do this with the three of us, and I think that um, one of the um, one of the recordings that 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 always inspired me was the um, uh, uh, Sonny Rollins uh, Freedom Suite with 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 uh, Max Roach and, and Oscar Pettiford. I had listened to that record many times and. I always loved it, and I just thought, okay, well, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna do this, and um, like I say, I had I had played with Walter quite a bit. Um, you know, um, sometimes in uh, in New York City, um, you know, there's all kinds of um, uh, gigs that that come up. Um, sometimes we would we would play in groups, um, uh, larger groups. Uh, during the summertime, uh, there would be city-sponsored uh, concerts where you would go into different neighborhoods and play concerts in parks. And um, I had I had uh, done one of those with Walter. It wasn't my band. I wasn't the leader. I was a side man. And 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 I met Walter, and I and I knew about him because he had recorded with so many people, and and you know I was kind of excited to um, play with him, and you know we just started talking, and and we we just kind of hit it off, and I said uh, I said to him um, I said yeah I'd like to um, call you sometime if I get some some gigs, and he said sure, he said call me anytime, I just I just want to play, and um, and um, you know I started to get a I got some gigs and sometimes they didn't even they didn't even pay that well, but he would always want to do it. I mean, and sometimes they weren't always they weren't always the most inspiring gigs. Sometimes we played at a couple of weddings and things like that where people weren't even listening. We'd just be there in the background. But he was always. He was always there. He always was enthusiastic, and so I just always said, "Well, you know, someday I'm going to do something with this guy. I'm going to go into the studio with him." And Ken was um, recommended to me by a, um, a mutual friend, a guitar player, and and we talked over the telephone. And I went out to his uh, apartment in Brooklyn. And I showed him my music, and right away he was right with it, and 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 um, 
picked up on everything immediately and 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 even added things that that um, brought out some things that I didn't even know were there and so I just decided this is this is the combination that I've been looking for all right so so uh, when was that when did you meet Ken Filiano ah uh, gee whiz you know I can't what I can't remember it was Right so you've you you had been playing with Ken Filiano before you made the album or was it just you met him before the al- before I met him before the album right. and we played together a few times Right Yeah Okay great and I'm curious who was the guitar player The guitar player was was a guy by the name of uh, uh Tony Romano who's okay. a a mutual friend of ours who plays um Well, he plays all kinds of music. He um I think he mostly plays uh well, he works in a lot of different kinds of situations, but I I think he um I think he made a recording recently a a, a duo where they're playing Brazilian music. And I know he's uh he's very drawn to br- Brazilian music because he likes to play the acoustic guitar. Right. Okay. Yeah, his name rings a bell. Yeah. Yeah, and and Ken Filiano, I am so envious of Ken Filiano. I'm not a musician, but uh, uh he he's a bass player that like he, that he plays in every situation and every he's Every situation. And he's so sought after and he's so prolific. That's right. Ken. And uh, and and I'm surprised I had never heard of Walter Perkins before. Yeah, well a lot of people uh never heard of Walter Perkins, but Yeah, but uh, um I can tell you if you you know just go into a, a record store well <laughs> there aren't many record stores left anymore but if you if you go if you start looking through listings I can tell you that Walter Perkins is is he's on a he's on recordings with Mingus he's he had his own uh a group uh Well, this was back in the 50s in Chicago. He had a he had a band with um with Bob Cranshaw. It was called the MJT plus 3, the Modern Jazz Trio plus 3, and that was Walter and uh uh Bob Cranshaw. Um I I don't remember Bob the, Cranshaw the, a bass player. Yeah, Bob Cranshaw uh-huh. the bass player who plays with Sonny Rollins. Right. Who oh, played yeah, yeah, with yeah, Sonny yeah. Rollins for probably 40 years. Right. But Walter is on recordings with um with Mingus, with Booker Irvin, mm-hmm. with Art Farmer and Jim Hall, uh uh Carmen McRae, uh George Shearing, he's He's right. played with so many people. Uh-huh. You know, he goes way back to the uh to the 50s and he was he he was on the Chicago scene in the 50s right. when, you know, people like all the Chicago people like um uh, uh Gene Hammonds and and Johnny Griffin and um you know, all those people yeah. were were around. He also He's also on some re- early recordings with uh, Muhal Richard Abrams. Right, okay. So he has a, a very uh extensive um e- exciting background. Right. So I'm sure I've I've heard him on records just yeah, that I don't I'm remember sure you yeah. have. Okay. 
All right, and and uh, Triplicity happens to be his last recording. That's right. Mm -hmm. Walter Perkins. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the album is dedicated to Walter yeah. Perkins. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, let's uh, listen to another piece from the album. Okay. Okay. Gen La, what does that mean? Gen La. Gen La. Yeah, Gen La was a, um, a Buddhist um, nun whom I met, and um, I kind of been studying um, Buddhism for, for uh, quite a few years, and, and I met her, and I, uh, and, and, um, I listened to some uh, teachings that she gave, and I, was, and I was very inspired by that, so I just decided to write this uh, piece, and I called it Genla. Okay, Genla, and it's a trio piece. Everybody's That's playing. That's right, and I'm playing, I'm playing the bamboo flute, which was uh, I, I should mention this because this guy is a great friend of mine. This bamboo flute was given to me by a uh, a multi reed and woodwind player who's a very very good friend of mine, and I have just. Uh, a boundless respect for him, and that's uh, uh, J.D. Peran, uh -huh. who's on lots and lots of recordings. Right. He's a fantastic um, uh, multi-instrumentalist, all the reeds and woodwinds, and he gave me this uh, bamboo flute, which I don't even know too much about it, except that it was made in Haiti. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Bob Feldman on Bamboo Flute on Gen Love with Ken Filiano and Walter Perkins.
Okay, that was Gen La with Bob Feldman on Bamboo Flute. All right, Bob, you're back. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. So, yeah, we've been talking about the, the album. And, Bob, now I'm so curious to know about, uh, about you more, about your musical activities. What are you doing in the present musically? Uh, in the present musically, I'm um, uh, playing um, as much as I can around New York City. It's, uh, it's not easy to, 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 there's so many musicians here and there's, there are so many people and so few places to play. But um, um, I, uh, about a month ago, I played at this uh, terrific um, uh, club downtown that I really like uh, called The Stone. And I played uh, with um, the trombonist uh, uh, Dick Griffin and um, the uh, drummer was uh, Bob Hubbard and the bass player was uh, Mike Bizio. And um, I've worked a, f a, few, a few times with, uh, with this uh, combination and uh, I've played... Um, um, I've played with in in uh, other groups with um, uh, I don't know if you know Matt Lavelle. Who, oh, I do know him. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. Matt on on uh, trumpet and bass clarinet and uh, Ken on uh, on bass. I, I I worked. I had a I had a, a group um, for a while. I was wor I was uh, working with a group that was kind of interesting because it was I didn't use a drummer and it was Ken it was Ken on bass and that guitarist that I mentioned to you Tony Romano Tony. and myself and Matt Lavelle and I actually went into the studio and recorded some music with that group and and um, um, I'm hoping to um, uh, get that recording out um, pretty soon, but uh, it's it's not completed, and I have some. Uh, I, I, well, I'm I'm that's in the works. Let's put it that way. That recording. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, I, I it, my activities these days are are playing as much as I can, practicing, having sessions, and looking for work <laughs> all right yeah 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 new york new york is uh, full of people and uh, yeah. but uh, and full of opportunities but there are not a lot of opportunities to play creative music as i understand that's right yeah okay the stone is one place and there was this uh, another club that uh, uh, closed down uh, a year ago i think the tonic that's right yeah okay yeah. Great and all right. That, that that's about the present. And how, tell us about the '60s when you when you started. Was it the '60s when you started? Yeah, it was the late, probably, probably about '59, I guess, when uh -huh. I started. Yeah. Okay. So, but there was a lot happening in the '60s. '60s was the time. Yeah. Yeah. It was a terrific time too. Um, well, I was born here in New York, uh -huh. and. Um, you know, it was just a, it was a it was a terrific time to to be in New York and be interested in jazz because I I mean when I when I tell some of my friends stories like this like especially some of my friends in Europe 
I mean, they can't believe it, but I mean, you know, if I wanted to hear Miles Davis or Thelonious Monk, well, I'd just get on the subway and go downtown and, you know, go into the five spot or uh, Birdland and, you know, sit down and have a beer for whatever probably a dollar or whatever it was and there it was it's not like i it's not like i i had to listen to recordings of course i listened to to records but these guys were around you know i i could just go here walk into clubs and i heard i heard everybody live whether it was mingus monk um uh coltrane sonny rollins um Oh, all kinds of people. Uh, Count Basie, Wes Montgomery. Um, you could. That's the way it was here in the in the '60s. Right. And and did you get to play with uh, any of them? I got to play with. I got to play with Mingus. Okay, great. And I love Charles. A, Mingus. That was a great experience for uh-huh. me, and that was. Yeah, that was. Uh, that was. Uh, probably a turning point for me when I played with Mingus and when I met him. Okay. That was, again, in the 60s. Yeah, I played with him in 1966. Uh-huh. But I I met him, and I met him and I met Max Roach at the same time, and that, uh, I'm, I... I think it was 1961. I'm pretty sure it was 1961, and and that was kind of an interesting story. The, if, uh, I could tell you that story how I how I I met Max. Um, there was um, at that that year, you know, that's when they had the Newport Jazz Festival, and um, and there were a, a group of musicians who felt that they weren't getting... They were on the festival, but they felt that they weren't getting the best exposure. The best exposure was being given to the, the sort of like most uh, visible, popular uh, groups at the time. I think, you know, maybe Dave Brubeck and, you know, maybe... Was, uh, was there John Coltrane at that time? At that festival? Uh, I don't think... No, uh-huh. I think this was before... Yeah, John Coltrane was around, but pr- this... I, um, he was not part of the festival. This no, okay. I, I doubt it. If he was, he w- was probably playing with Miles Davis. Uh-huh, okay. You know, I'm not too sure on that, but I know that I know that Max Roach and Mingus in particular, they felt that they, weren't, they were not being given the proper exposure at the Newport Festival. So they decided... Uh, oh, and Ornette Coleman was with them, that's right. They sort of set up their own festival, uh, uh, and they called it the Newport Rebels. And they, um, if I remember correctly, they they found some field in, in Newport, Rhode Island, and they put on their own festival there. And then, wow. like I say, they called it the Newport Rebels. And... When the festival was over, they decided to continue that idea, and um, they rented a theater in, in, in New York City, and they started putting on concerts. So a friend of mine who knew Max Roach, he said to me, he said, he told me the story, he said, you know, they, they got this theater, and they're doing music there, 
and they need they need somebody to work there. You want to do it? And I said, yeah, sure. I said, this, this was great, you know, because I just got a chance to listen to the music. So, you know, I had all kinds of, like, little jobs. I would work in the box office or... Uh, you know, I, they they you know they called me stage manager, which was stage manager just just meant you know making right. sure that uh, you know that the chairs were on stage and putting up microphones and stuff like that. I did all these little odd jobs, and through that, I I I met Max, and 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 um, he was very. Um, uh, and I was just really kind of beginning to play seriously, and he was very supportive and encouraging to me. And 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 one of the uh, one of the bands that was uh, that played nightly was was Mingus's band, which was it was it was great. This was with Mingus, with Eric Dolphy, um, um, uh, Ted Curson. Danny Richmond. I, um, uh, there might have been a piano player. I can't remember to tell you the truth, but I would hear this band every night, and I would hear I would hear Max's band every night. That um, uh, Max's. That's when Max had Booker Little in his band, and uh, it, it, it was fantastic. Every night I'd hear these groups. I, I remember the bass player Wilbur Ware had a trio. That was fantastic. So, I I met Mingus, but you know I can't say I can't say that we really knew each other. I just remember I just remember meeting him. But then um, uh, in 1966, we met again, and he, he heard me play, and um, he asked me to. Um, uh, come down to this club and um and sit in with them and um that was a that was a that was a that was a great experience and um you know kind of a turning point for me right and i i just remember that there's another story in it how did charles mingus hear you play and <laughs> what did he say oh yeah 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 well that's a funny story uh, but it, it it's kind of astounding, but it's true. Well, it was a it was a um, it was in the springtime, and um, I had this little uh, tiny little um, uh, furnished room in uh, uh, here, and um, and uh, and I was practicing. I was practicing up in my room, and I had the window open, and I was just. I was just practicing, and 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 all of a sudden, I, I I hear some voice out my window. Somebody's yelling. I hear I hear somebody going, "Hey, saxophone player, saxophone player!" <laughs> <laughs> so I go I go to the window, and there's Charles Mingus standing on my front steps. I mean, it was like a dream. You know, I couldn't believe it. So I ran downstairs, and and Mingus says to me, uh, you know, he, he talked very fast, Mingus. Uh -huh. he, he was kind of, you know, very excitable. Yeah. And he says, hey, man, what's your name? So I said, uh, I said uh, Bob, Bob Feldman. He says, Bob, let me tell you something. 
I've been walking up and down this street every day. I've been listening to you. And it isn't black and it isn't white. It's just beautiful. It's just you, man, and it's beautiful. That's what he said when when Charles Mingus tells you that you remember it <laughs> that's what he said and he said to me um he said what are you doing tonight so i said oh, I'm, I'm not doing anything so he says well i want you to come down to pookie's pub that was a little club that he was playing in it's gone now um it was downtown it was across the street from the from the half note which was uh, kind of a major club at yeah. the time he says i want you to come down to pookie's pub tonight I said, oh, okay, sure. And um, I was kind of, I was kind of uh, intimidated. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, well, you know, I, 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 I don't read, because I wasn't a very good reader at the time. Um, I said, I don't read. He said, no charts, don't worry. Use your ear, just come down there. So, oh, and then, um, and then he took me up, to this, up the street. That's right, I remember he took me up the street and he took me to a Chinese restaurant. And, and 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 ordered food and and he, I remember he ordered one of everything on the menu because he was a huge eater, <laughs> Mingus. He, I just remember he had a, it was a piles of food on the table. Anyhow, we had this, we had this uh, meal and we talked. And that night I went, I went downtown, and. Um, uh, there I was. All of a sudden, I was up there on the bandstand with with Mingus. It was Mingus, um, uh, Danny Richmond, um, uh, Charles McPherson on on alto, and uh, Lonnie Hillier mm-hmm. on on trumpet, and and me. And um, uh, you know, I was pretty nervous, but. Um, Oh, and I remember, I remember Mingus, he said to me, um, well, I, I was playing his tunes first, mm-hmm. because, because I, I, I kind of knew those tunes, because I had studied his music, and, I, and I, don't, I don't remember the tunes that we played. Well, I remember we played Take the A Train. Right. Uh, I can't remember the other tunes, but then he said to me, he said, what do you want to play? So I said, I said, uh, uh, well, uh. I like to play a blues, and he said, he said, what key? And I was so nervous, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't even think, you know. So I just said, well, uh, F. And he said, what kind of tempo? And I said, um, I said medium tempo. And he said, we got three kinds of medium. We got slow medium, medium medium, and fast medium. Which one you want? I said, uh, uh, medium medium. And <laughs> And we played the blues, and you know it was great because um, when you uh, you have Charles Mingus standing behind you playing the bass, it just propels you. You just gotta play. That's all. And that was what that was what it was like. It was it was a great experience. And um, and um, he um, uh, he encouraged me after that, and and and. Um, I think that probably if I had um, uh, stayed with it, I probably would have been in that band. But um, I think that at that time I was still, I think I was still a, a little shy and didn't have a lot of self-confidence. And, um, 
And so that I, I still stayed in contact with him, and I and I hung around with him, and and that was a great experience, just talking with him and listening to him. And sometimes he would he would take me to his uh, apartment, and he would play he would play music for me. He would play records for me, and that was real interesting. And he would talk about different. I mean, it was very interesting because he was listening to, I remember he was listening to Beethoven string quartets, and he was listening to um, uh, uh, Bach solo cello pieces, and, and he was li- listening to, he was always talking about Art Tatum. He was listening to Art Tatum and, and always talking about Charlie Parker. So it was a great education to just to be around him and, and know him. And um, and um, I always uh, I always said to myself, well, I'm going to go back and 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 play with him. And um, by the time that I I I felt like I was ready, uh, I guess it was kind of too late because because uh, I hadn't seen him for years, and I and 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 after many years, uh, I I. Um, met him one more time and we talked and 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 he remembered me and um uh we talked about getting together and then he got very sick and uh within a couple of years uh he passed away so i i never really got that opportunity but um like i say just uh just having playing with him that one time and uh, was a great experience, uh-huh. and and there were many times when um, I I always uh, kept it in mind. Um, it was it was very inspirational. Right, right. And how old were you at that time? I wasn't a kid when I played with him. I think I was. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I was maybe twenty six or twenty seven. Uh huh. I was born in 1938. Mm. Okay. All right. I, I, I only wish you'd made a record with uh, Charles Mingus. <laughs> so <Mingus>. do I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, some music? Yeah. All right. Skip it, rip it. Okay. All right. Skip it, rip it. That's, uh, that's another trio piece. Yeah, that's okay. with the ba- another one with a bamboo flute. Okay. Bob Feldman on bamboo flute, Ken Filiano on bass, and Walter Perkins on drums. The album is Triplicity by Bob Feldman.
Skip it, rip it. <laughs> I, I really like, I like this piece. I'm oh, thanks. I, I like it too. I, I, you know, I never listen. I never listened to this record, so I, I enjoyed it. Thanks for playing it. Yeah, and I and I prefer this uh, to to Gien La, the other flute pl uh, piece. I'm not a flute person, but I like it when it's aggressive and attacking, like. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, you can do that a lot with the bamboo flute. Uh -huh. The bamboo flute lends itself to that. I'm. I mean, I don't even know if I'm a flute person, to tell you the truth, <laughs> even though I have one and I'm always working on it. But um, there's something about the bamboo flute that's, uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it has a different quality. And right. what, um, but what really strikes me when I, because like I say, I don't really listen to this record. I and I and. I enjoyed listening to it myself, but yeah. when I listen to it, what really thrills me about it is to listen to what's happening with Ken and Walter, and and that uh, that's a perfect example of what I what I was talking about in the studio, because that's a piece that was improvised. I remember very well. I just looked at those guys and I said, "Let's play something fast." That's all, and and I mean, listen to Ken and Walter. Listen to how tight they are together and and um listen to that listen to ken with his with his bowing you know i have to i have to say that i have two favorite bass players one is charles mingus and two is ken filiano those are my two favorite bass players great oh, great great yeah ken ken filiano is one of the few bass players that that are on the top of my my bass player list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's on the top of everybody's bass player list. <laughs> right, right. And um, uh, you, you were. Uh, I remember from from our email exchange, you uh, wanted to tell our audience about the the place where you live and the the people that you met oh, there. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Well, yeah, I live in a very special um, location in in New York City in Manhattan. I live right in the middle of um, of Manhattan. Have you ever been to New York? I have never been to New York. Oh, you should come here sometime. Yeah. Um, well, I live right uh, just a couple of blocks from Times Square, you know, which mm -hmm. is like the center of everything. Oh, yeah. That and, reminds me of Allen Ginsberg and Jack Kerouac. Uh-huh. Times Square. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they certainly... They certainly um, spent a lot of time here and they certainly wrote about it but, uh -huh. um, Times Square is it's like a mystical place everybody uh -huh. in the world knows about Times right. Square and I live about two blocks from Times Square and there are these two high-rise buildings that were built um, during the 70s in the late 70s and um, at, at the time that they put these buildings up People didn't want to live in this neighborhood because at that time, at that period of time, Times Square was going into a um, kind of a decline and there was a lot of drugs and prostitution yeah. in the neighborhood. And so this neighbor, neighborhood didn't have a good reputation. And, and these two high-rise buildings were were erected and and people weren't moving into them because no like i say they didn't want to live in this neighborhood so the owners of the buildings they they made this arrangement with the uh federal government where they would 
they would um, provide apartments for performing artists, um, not just musicians, but this was really anybody in the field of performance. It could be actors, it could be musicians, it could be, uh, you know, theatrical people, electricians, stagehands, agents, all kinds of people that were involved in, in performing. And so um, they made these apartments uh, available to performing artists, and the rent was uh, subsidized. You, your rent basically would go according to your income, which is a very, very rare thing in this, uh, in this country. That's uh, pretty rare. And so hundreds and hundreds of musicians moved into this uh, building. Um, and uh, 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 Mingus lived here. Uh, Dexter Gordon lived here. Um, uh, Mercer Ellington, Duke Ellington's son, lived here. Um, a lot of older guys from the from the old uh, Ellington uh, band, um, uh, Russell Procope, who was a was a saxophonist and clarinetist with Ellington. There's a there's a guitar player who lived here, who he's pr he's pr he's the only person that I know who played with uh, Jelly Roll Morton and mm -hmm. Miles Davis. This guy's 101 years old, wow. and and he played with he played with everybody. He played with Louis Armstrong. He played with Coleman Hawkins. He played Incredible. with incredible, yeah, Fletcher Henderson, uh, and and Miles Davis. So I mean, there's like there's like all these um, great musicians who, um, well, some of them are gone now, but even today, um, today there's there's um, there's lots of um, wonderful musicians who live here, and so it's a it's a, a terrific um, terrific atmosphere to to be living in. Because well, first of all, you you can you can be in New York City and have a affordable housing. So it's still subsidized. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Federal subsidized, and it's pretty unusual for the United States. Right. So. I don't know how many places there are like this, um, and you know it's just real. Ins it's real inspiring because you you know you walk down the street and you can always see your friends who are doing the same thing. Like one of my really good friends, who I'm sure you know his music. Um, uh, sadly, he he passed away about five years ago, but. One of my really good friends who I, I used to practice with him and we used to hang out together and talk about music and listen to music was was the, uh, Frank Lowe, the tenor saxophone. Yeah, the great saxophone player. Yeah, yeah. a great saxophone player. And, and, and kind of sad to say that people don't really remember him and, and, and he's only been gone about five years. Yeah. Um, but he was he was my neighbor, and we used to practice together. We used to listen to music together, and um, there was another um, Ellington um, saxophonist who was a good friend of mine by the name of um, Harold Ashby, who mm -hmm. played in in the Ellington band uh, during the '60s, who mm -hmm. made some fantastic recordings 
with the Ellington Band, and, and he was a good friend of mine. So this was a, well, like I say, it still is a fantastic place to live. I mean, right. um, there's so many musicians here, and you always um, have this kind of inspiration, and you have this kind of, um, you know, camaraderie of people who are doing the same thing that you're doing. And um, yeah, it's also true for the actors uh, who live here, too, for the theater people. It's, it's really a, a wonderful community. And uh, especially these days in, in, in New York City, that's very, that's very rare. Um, uh-huh. Because this is a tough city to live in. Rents are, are exceedingly high and... Um, it's a tough place to survive, and this to have a place like this in in New York, uh, in the middle of Manhattan, is a real blessing. Great, I'd love to come and visit you one of these days. Anytime, yeah. I'd love to see you. I, I'm hoping to um, I'm hoping to come over to um, France uh, yeah. in the coming year, sometime in 2009, because I've been there quite a few times and. I, uh, I have many friends there, and I and I always love playing there. But yeah. any time you want to come to New York, you're welcome to come here. You have my you have my uh, telephone number. Just let me know when you're coming. Yeah, great. And uh, you're mentioning that you've uh, played in France quite a few times. So I, I just remembered that there was a, a very nice review of uh, Triplicity in. Um, in, in one of the magazines, one yeah, of the two big magazine. magazines, Jazz Magazine. Yeah, uh, that was written by Francois René Simon. Right, yeah, and uh, he said that this is the it is, Triplicity has the, the, the music, the kind of music that we would like, the kind of jazz that we would like to hear more of. Well, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, C'est la musique qu'on aimerait entendre plus, or, or something like that. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, so... Just want to mention that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and um, uh, what was I going to say? And so, have have you had any relation, any any kind of uh, an association with the ASCM? N- no, um, I know a lot of those people, but I never had any uh, association with them. But right. Um, Muha um, Richard Abrams, who I think was one of the founders of of that group, um, he lives here in this building. Oh, he yeah. he still lives there. Oh, sure does. Wow. Yeah, I see him on the street all the time. So that's what I mean. I mean, it's wow. a great, it's a great environment. You know, sometimes we just dis, uh, we just discuss um, musical concerns. You know, how many times do you get a chance to to learn from somebody like that? Yeah. 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 And and JD Patton, your friend, he's he's uh, uh, an AACM person, isn't he? Uh JD Patton. Oh, JD is uh, I'm not sure about ECM. No, AACM. Yeah, ACM. Yeah, he was with the ACM and he was also with there was a group in St. Louis called uh, 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 Bag. Bag. Yeah. He's he's with a lot of those guys like right. Julius Hampill, um, a lot of the uh, Bakita Carroll, right. uh, a lot of those St. Louis guys. And and JD is is a fantastic player. Uh-huh. You know, um, 
this is a guy that can, you know, he can play any woodwind uh, or reed instrument, and and um, I've um, I've had the um, you know privilege even of of studying with him, not not a lot, but a little bit, and he he showed me a lot of things about the flute. There was a time when I was playing clarinet. He helped me with the clarinet. He's uh, he's also helped me just in terms of getting employment sometimes. He's a fantastic player that people people uh, should also know more about him. I mean, this is a guy who recorded with um, uh, 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 John Lennon, Stevie Wonder, and Anthony Braxton, oh, yeah. <laughs> and Lena Horne. I mean, how many people could you say uh, recorded with that? wider range of mm-hmm. uh, people he's a he's a he's a wonderful musician yeah okay yeah all right and i, I just remember the the conversation yeah the, the movie. film right i had i hadn't even heard of the movie i i didn't even know about the movie before i uh, i i read uh, somewhere in an i think it was an interview or an article about about you mm-hmm. in some magazine that yeah. uh, you taught Gene Hackman how to hold the saxophone. Yeah, I didn't really teach him how to play it because he didn't really play, play. it in the film, but I just had to show him how to, how to you know, yeah. be comfortable with it. And it was, I think it was made in 1974, the movie? No, I think, no, it was made in 1972, I oh, believe. Okay, yeah, I, I had to sort of figure it out myself. When you sent me that little clip, and I looked at that picture, and I, I looked at that photograph, and I, like I said, wow, that was 36 <laughs> years ago. Yeah, so you, it's, it's not only j- that you just taught Gene Hackman how to hold a saxophone, you were also in the film. Yeah, I'm on screen just for a, just for a couple of seconds. But in the opening it, sequence, there's a saxophone playing. Yeah, the opening playing. sequence. It's, yeah. a, it's a, it's a, it, you know, it's a little close-up. It's kind yeah. of nice, but it, ju- it just lasts for a yeah. couple of seconds, and yeah, that's it's, it. It's more than that. You know what? It, oh, I saw the movie just uh, recently before I sent you the, the, the picture. Oh, okay. And, and uh, uh, the camera just... Uh, 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 the camera shows you uh, for a few seconds, and oh, then good. it goes uh, uh, somewhere else, and then it comes back, and then yeah. goes somewhere else, and then it comes back again. Yeah, yeah. I have to see the movie again. So, I, yeah. I think I've only seen it once or twice in my. I'll have to like get the DVD and look at it. Yeah, it's 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 really uh, kind of slow. Yeah, I, I like thrillers, but this was a bit of a a, a chore. The movie, <laughs> but it's a good uh-huh. movie. But it's a good movie. Yeah, it's kind of a, a spellbinding, um, a kind of a dark movie. Yeah, really dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. And, uh, um, Bob, mm-hmm. I have asked you all my questions. I've comp- totally, entirely satisfied my curiosity about Great. you. I'm sure well, I'll have thanks. more questions and we'll keep in touch. But is there anything you would like to add to what we've uh, been saying or well, anything no, we haven't I, I just, uh, that's, I think it's great. I really enjoyed, um, I really enjoyed talking with you and I hope that we, um, I hope that we, um, get to meet, whether it's here or, or in France. I'm yeah. sure that we'll see each other again and, and that, uh, we'll be in touch and I'm very happy that you're, um, 
playing my music and uh, um, giving a lot of people a chance to hear it. And oh, I guess I'd, I guess I would like to say this if I can, if if people want that uh, recording because the uh, the one soul record label that I made it for, they he used to have an online um, uh, store, and and that's been discontinued. So if people want that recording they can always get in touch with me uh via email um okay so the record label one soul doesn't exist anymore it exists but his his online store doesn't exist oh, okay. if you go the on the store. website right. for one soul records you'll see the record the and website, you'll be yeah. able to read about me but you wouldn't be able to order to it, buy it. Okay. so i mean if people want it they can just reach me at at a triplicity at uh, verizon.net, V-E-R-I-Z-O-N. Triplicity is T-R-I-P-L-I-C-I-T-Y at verizon.net. So if I can right, just that, give a little commercial, if I'm... <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's your email address. And that's my email address. And also your website can be accessed. Uh, what, what's the address? Uh, uh, it's Bob... Well, I have a MySpace page. Okay. And, and and they can also go to onesoulrecords.com. Right. And there's your own website, bobfeldman.com. Uh, well, the, I, Bob, the, is the, um, is the uh, MySpace page. Okay. Yeah, I think it's Robert Feldman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. They Other, can find me. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. Otherwise, the, the link is on, on my website, so they exactly. can always get exactly. to your website through mine. Yeah. All right. And yeah, that's great. Well, thanks. Okay, and I'm really glad that we got in touch. commercial there. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. And I'm really glad that we got in touch and we got to talk. Oh, me too. Uh, yeah, and the sound is really good, so I'm sure this is going to be a really nice interview. Oh, uh, thank you. It was, nice it, recording. It's really a pleasure to talk with you. Right, okay, great. Bob, thank you very much, and we'll keep in touch, and I'll be looking forward to your new recording whenever whenever you get to complete it and yeah. uh, release it. Okay, okay, for sure. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Oh, uh, just, just a second, Bob, before, before yeah. we split, uh, I would like to play uh, something from Triplicity. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me, what do you want me to play? Your call. Okay. Well, I like this tune... Um it's number four, um, Further Notice. Further Notice. Yeah. For Mike Shapiro. Who's That's Mike right. Shapiro? Mm-hmm. Who's Mike Shapiro? Mike Shapiro was, a, was a, uh, a great friend of mine who I grew up with um, a long time ago, and he passed away, and, um, and, I, and I wanted to write this tune for him. He helped me, and he encouraged me all through the years when I was um, getting my music together. All right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, so coming up is a tune called Further Notice, composed by Bob Feldman for Mike Shapiro, and it is on triplicity, like everything else that we've been listening to here during the interview on the album called Triplicity that can be bought through uh, Bob Feldman's uh, MySpace page or his website, and also the link is on tfjhp.blogspot.com. And uh, Bob, thank, th thanks a lot. And, uh, and thank you. Keep making more music. I hope to. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. Bye. All right, here's further notice.
Thank you. 